Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 466 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast on audio and video this week. And once again, uh, keeping with the Halloween theme, I have fired up Peacock and I'm going to be watching the main event from Halloween Havoc 1990. It is Sting defending the WCW Heavyweight Championship that he won earlier in the year at the Great American Bash. Uh, this time, though, he's facing a member of the Four Horsemen, not Ric Flair, not Arn Anderson, not Barry Windham. No, this is Sid Vicious. It's Sid's first, as far as I can remember, uh, heavyweight championship match, uh, title match. And it's also, I believe, Sting's first pay-per-view championship defense. So why did I pick this match? Well, earlier in the week, you may recall Sting announced on AEW Dynamite uh, that he is going to, in fact, retire from wrestling in uh, March of 2024 at AEW Revolution. I, I'm assuming that's when the data that is. That's when it was last year. But uh, a lot of speculation on who he'll face and, and what all that is going to look like. I did a video, uh, uh, Give Me a Minute, on YouTube uh, where I take about 60 seconds to explain why I hope that the surfer Sting comes out and is a part of this uh, final match. Uh, as a cinematic match, and you can go back and, and watch that. And if you want to talk more about that at some point, I'm sure that we can do that. But um, I wanted to do something this week uh, in honor of Sting. Next week, I believe, as we wrap up the month of October in the Halloween themes, the plan is for Chad and I to watch um, Wrestlers versus Zombies this week, and then we'll do a review of it next week uh, on the podcast and on the YouTube channel here. So if you want to watch that beforehand as well, so you kind of have an idea of what's going on with that movie, I can't wait to watch this and, and talk with Chad about it. But, um, you know, I, I had said last week, full disclosure, there were some uh, Halloween-themed wrestlers that I was trying to get for the podcast that quite frankly fell through, Brutus Beefcake being one of them. I wanted to talk to him about his run as Zodiac and wanted to talk to him about the mystery man gimmick that he did uh, in the WWF back in 1991, but it never came to fruition. Um, and there was someone else, Abdullah the Butcher was another one that I wanted to talk about the Chamber of Horrors match with, but that didn't come to be either. So uh, since we did Halloween Havoc 1991 last week, Going back a year and doing 1990 this week. Um, because as I had mentioned in that previous video, you know, this era of sting, the the surfer sting, the beach bum sting, whatever you want to call them, is my favorite incarnation of sting. I know a lot of people, and I put a poll on TikTok, and a lot of people prefer 
pro sting over surfer sting and i get that um you know it is a more iconic character i think but to me it you know it's just there's something about that nostalgia that's tied in with it and um you know that era of wrestling in 1990 is a very interesting time in pro wrestling because wcw and wwf even though wwf was light years ahead in terms of ratings and exposure and and mainstream attention the two companies were running pretty parallel in terms of their presentation let's look at example for the champions hulk hogan longtime established wwf champion you know won it in 1984 lost it very briefly um was without it for about a year when randy savage won that wrestlemania tournament in uh in 1988 so uh, 88 WrestleMania four to, to 89 WrestleMania five um, Hogan's without the belt. But for the most part, the WWF is synonymous with Hulk Hogan and him being the champion. And the same could be said on the other channel with Ric Flair. You know, he wins the title uh, really when Jim Crockett promotions is catching steam with Starcade in 1983. And he holds on to the belt for quite some time and loses it here and there along the way. The NWA heavyweight championship, of course, uh, lost it to Kerry Von Erich for a minute, lost it to uh, Dusty Rhodes for a minute, lost it to Ronnie Garvin for a minute. But for the most part, we associated the NWA championship with Ric Flair and the WWF championship with Hulk Hogan. Well, we enter into 1990. It's a new decade. I don't know if both promoters, you know, if Vince McMahon and Jim Crockett Promotions, actually by this time, Crockett is out. So it's, it is WCW. It is Ted Turner's company. But uh, we get a different vision for who will be those torchbearers, so to speak. And on the WWF side of things, the Ultimate Warrior wins the WWF Championship. He's already the Intercontinental Champion. He wins the WWF Championship in April of 1990 uh, at WrestleMania six. beats Hulk Hogan in that iconic match. Face paint, neon, high energy, not your typical quote-unquote wrestler <clears throat> as far as, you know, a, a uh, worker, if you will, a, a wrestler that uh, can do a lot of pretty moves and, and whatnot. Over on the WCW side of things, um, we see that Sting was supposed to get an opportunity, got hurt. There's a delay. July of 1990, though, a few months after the Warriors' big victory, Sting wins the WCW Heavyweight Championship, beating Ric Flair. Again, face paint, crazy hair, neon high energy better worker than the warrior obviously but these two were tag team partners at one point way back when and now they are uh at the top of the two biggest wrestling companies in the world at that time and so it's an interesting time and i feel like neither man had their runs were okay um not memorable uh the warrior i think unfortunately got paired up and I'm, I'm going to save this for a further discussion down the road, but you know, he got bogged down in that feud with teaming up with the Legion of doom against demolition and a lot of matches. Um, I just felt like the warriors run was a little lackluster. You know, he had a good match with Rick Rude at SummerSlam 90 in the steel cage. But beyond that, I, I just felt it was kind of a flat run um, and staying similar and we're going to talk more about that with this match coming up here in just a couple of minutes. The championship defense against Sid Vicious. And Sid Vicious, of course, I think if, you know, if you had to 
describe what a pro wrestler would look like or draw what a pro wrestler looks like. I mean, Sid was the man. I mean, he was he was ginormous. Uh, you know, had those big uh, tri or not triceps um, trap traps on his shoulders. Uh, you can tell I work out a lot. Um, <clears throat> I met Sid back in 1999. I met Sid. Uh, great guy. I enjoyed uh, talking with him and, and meeting him. This was right before he went to WCW, back to WCW. But, you know, in 1990, it's a whole different ballgame. I think he's around 29, 30 years old. So he's he's relatively young and has been around for a few years at this point, but um, is getting the rub. He's a part of the Four Horsemen. Um, so the Horsemen are, as I mentioned, Ric Flair, Barry Windham, Arn Anderson, and Sid Vicious. And Sid is getting the title run here, or the title match, I should say. Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are in tag team competition. Now, they had taken on Doom earlier in the night. And in fact, we'll fast forward to 1990, to the end of 1990 at Starcade 90. I was there, actually. It was in St. Louis. A buddy of mine and I went. We were in high school. We were seniors at that time. Uh, we went to that Starcade where... Uh, Things changed, and 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 part of I think what changed is going to be part of this uh, this matchup here uh, with Sting defending that heavyweight championship. Now, again, we talked last week about Halloween Havoc. I like the catch the kitschiness of it, the uh, the fun, the nostalgia, um, and I think I uh, said last week I wasn't sure if NXT was doing a Halloween Havoc show this year. They apparently are, and it probably is has happening. Um, as we're recording and dropping this on Monday, uh, the 23rd, I believe Halloween Havoc is the next day on the 24th. So check check your uh, Peacock or your uh, your app for all that information. But I'm pretty sure that's when it is happening. So anyway, without any further ado, um, as we talk about Sting, and again, Sting went on to have an amazing career. Um, I, I, it's hard to argue the, the popularity and the success that he had um, and really pretty consistent, you know, being in there, um, you know, when he really kind of caught my eye and my attention was back in, I would say 1986, 87 in the UWF, uh, Mid-South, um, you know, that at that time period when he was with Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, he was a heel back then, um, but not for very long. And then he turned babyface and, and had a, a nice little climb. Uh, of course, Crockett buys the UWF and then we get, um, you know, Sting, I think, was probably, without a doubt, that breakout star from the UWF that survived that merger, that acquisition with JCP. And then, of course, went on to all kinds of dominance and prominence in WCW, um, going on to win the championship multiple times. He, uh, you know, was one of those last standouts or holdouts before going to the WWF he, or WWE. He went, of course, and wrestled uh, for a long time with TNA Impact Wrestling and eventually did make the jump over to WWE later in his career and, and obviously had some injuries going on there and, and we thought was done. But as we have seen with so many others, you know, 2021, he shows up in AEW and has had a nice little run there as well. And, and into his mid-60s at this point, I mean, nothing but accolades and and, and compliments to the man who, um, you know, has has be, been such an icon to so many fans, to for so many fans. So, um, you know, round of applause for Sting. And that's why I decided to pick 
this particular, you know, with Halloween Havoc and, and WCW and Sting, you know, he became synonymous with this event, almost like a Hulk Hogan WrestleMania type relationship in those early days. You know, Sting was in the main event of the first Havoc, teaming with Ric Flair against Terry Funk and the Muda in that uh I think that was also called a Thunder Doom Thunder Dome matchup. Um, and it had like the electrical cage and it got a little crazy. I thought about watching that one and, and doing tribute to Terry Funk as well, but I wanted to focus on Sting this week. We we did a Terry Funk episode a, a while back, so I wanted to focus this one and, and dedicate it to, to Sting. And this was his first real opportunity at Halloween Havoc to shine as a single star. Again, he is the World Heavyweight Champion. So without any further ado, it's at about an hour, 38 minutes on Peacock. It is Halloween Havoc Season 2, Episode 1. Um, and again, uh, Halloween Havoc. We started the show off with Jim Ross and Pauly Dangerously dressed in costume. Uh, Ross was a gangster, uh, you know, a, a 20s gangster. Um, circa, because, of course, this event was held in Chicago. And then we saw also... Uh, Polly dangerously dressed as Dracula. Tony Schiavone's there too. This is the one where he had just come back to WCW earlier in the year from the WWF, and he is dressed as the Phantom of the Opera. Sid is in the ring and looking uh, like a million bucks again. I can't. I can't tell you how you know. Pardon the pun. Vicious Sid looked back in these days. Here comes Sting now with the championship, the big gold belt. He's got a nice, bright, shiny uh, jacket on. And uh, the purple and black face paint and paint neon pink tights to kind of match and go along with it. And, you know, this is, again, a non-traditional look for a heavyweight champion. If you think back into, the, into that era of wrestling and before that, you know, anything before the 90s, you know, in the W or in the WCW NWA side of things, you know, you had Ric Flair, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Ronnie Garvin, Kerry Von Erich, um, you know, those were the champions, Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Jack Briscoe. Nobody was flashy other than Ric Flair, maybe with the robes. But I mean, Sting's whole presentation from head to toe was neon and flashy and and really kind of in your face. Um, referee is now holding the belt up. That looks like, yeah, it is. It's uh, Nick Patrick, who is the referee for this match. And um, again, this is going to be a good one. Uh, Sting's first pay-per-view championship defense and again this was in an era before we were having uh, monthly pay-per-views uh, i'm sure he had defended at maybe a clash of the champions or somewhere else along the way obviously but um this is a, a big matchup going on here um and i was talking earlier about the championship runs and I, again i i don't mean to disparage the accomplishments of warrior or sting but i just think in hindsight looking back now 30 plus years later now at the time I, I wasn't really thinking that much about it but oh and sting gets hit with a cheap shot from sid he had turned his back to yell to the crowd and this match is officially underway sid with that big uh swinging clothesline that he misses he always i always thought he did a good job of over emphasizing that and Sting goes down with a backbreaker. Sid celebrates, but Sting is back up on his feet. I'm not going to sit here and do commentary the whole time, but uh, I will point out some things that are going on. Sting going out early for the Scorpion Deathlock, but no, Sid's long legs, he's able to reach those ropes and pull himself to safety. But, you know, I feel like with Sting, he, uh, you know, had the belt about nine months. I think he ends up dropping it in January of 91. And the warrior actually drops the belt also in January of 91 to Sergeant Slaughter. 
Sting drops it back to Ric Flair, but Sergeant Slaughter drops it back to uh, Hulk Hogan. So we go back to, as we started off 1990 with Sting and Flair, I'm sorry, with Flair and Hogan as the champions by, you know, early 1991, first quarter of 1991, they're both back on top as the respective heavyweight champions. Of course, Flair would eventually leave in the summer of 91 and come to the WWF. And I think Flair's departure kind of helped sting propel i don't know how things would have looked we didn't follow that typical formula of uh you know the heel champion rick flair always losing and then regaining the title back and so uh we got some different uh incarnations and different championship matchups so i think that was a good thing i think that uh, you know and again i enjoyed rick flair being in the wwf i probably in hindsight would have done things a little differently uh looked at it viewed it maybe a little differently but we're back in the ring here with more action between Sid and the Stinger here. Sting whipped across the ropes and Sid charges in and misses. And Sting really working on the arm of Sid Vicious. And Sid, I mentioned, is a member of the Horsemen, but conspicuous by their absences. Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and, of course, Barry Windham. And I don't think, I'm trying to think back, J.J. Dillon, I believe, is already gone and is in the WWF at this time working behind the scenes. This was, see, I know he was there when Arn and Tully were there. Uh, the other interesting person missing from this event that would eventually be back and, and part of it as far as a booking standpoint is Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. He is over on the other channel right now, which on the other channel, we're gearing up for Survivor Series. And if you look behind me, you can see Gobbledygooker up there if you're watching on YouTube. If not, be sure to come over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are getting very close to that 1,000 subscriber mark. But anyway, Gobbledygooker is up there, but also the Sting character. Of course, the Stings that I have are, are the Crow Stings, ironically enough. So um, one of those is a WWE toy, and one I think, uh, I think they might both be released by WWE. Chad gave me one of those, and the other one I bought, uh, and a lot of those Funko minis that they made uh, several years ago. But anyway, I I'm talking about Gobbledygooker because on the other channel, that's what we were getting. We were getting a preview of this big egg coming very soon. I'm going to be doing some fun stuff on TikTok with that as well. But uh, we're also really close to the debut of The Undertaker. So fall of 1990, we've got Stain, uh, Black Scorpion, I believe is we're going to start hearing from him very soon here, if we haven't already started hearing from him. And I, I my timelines may not be running right. Uh, I don't know that we had heard from Black Scorpion just yet, but it's coming. It is coming because in December of 1990, it's going to be Sting and the Black Scorpion going at it inside a steel cage. Again, like I said, in St. Louis. So I just kind of tell you all that to kind of tell you what things were like in in both companies you know we have um dusty Rhodes uh is a part of that big undertaker debut actually as his survivor series team faced off against the undertaker's team and it was the undertaker who eliminated dusty from that match um and a few months later dusty is back over here with wcw and sid actually surprisingly enough is is the first of the the group of the four horsemen to jump to the wwf uh, in the summer of 1991 as well. We see him uh, as a part of that SummerSlam main event, which also involved the Ultimate Warrior. So again, we're, uh, these small world connections are, are coming into play here. But Sid now, uh, towering over Sting, has him down and is, is trying to put a hurting on him here with a nerve clamp. 
Sting's face etched with pain as he is trying to get back up to his feet and uh, hold on to that WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And we all know that in due time, Sid goes on to win not just the WCW World Heavyweight title, but also the WWF Heavyweight Championship, not once, but twice, beating um, beating uh, Shawn Michaels for it one time and beating Bret Hart as well. So beating two of uh, the company's top stars, Sid becomes the man twice uh, in doing so. And then, of course, he uh, lost it that last time to The Undertaker, so... Big body slam there. And honestly, the way the WCW title and Sid won the WWF championships first. And then when he went back to WCW, I don't know if he beat Kevin Nash or Randy Savage or I, the WCW title. They were all being hot potatoed at one point. And I couldn't tell you all the exchanges in the late 90s, you know, during that Attitude Era, Monday Night War era. I couldn't remember any anything with any certainty, but I can sit here and rattle off what was going on in the early 90s uh, without looking anything up. So it's, again, that it's that weird memory process of things. And Sid now has Sting in the ropes and is just pounding away on him. Forearms and knees to the midsection, choking him out, referee Nick Patrick getting in there and, and trying to break things up. Um, but again, Sid, you know, I, I think for some, Sid is a, is a polarizing figure in wrestling. I don't know why. I've seen, you know, a lot of criticism, a lot of critiques of him. But I thought he was great. You know, he he played that part and, and was that giant monster. Now, you're not going to get a five-star match out of him. But you know what? They don't all have to be that way. I, I'd rather much rather be entertained uh, with the story and, and the things that are going on. And again, the story here is that uh, Sid has has earned that opportunity to become the WCW heavyweight champion. He is a part of the Four Horsemen, and I don't remember every you know detail of of this. But again, Sid turning his back, and this is interesting too. As I'm sitting here and remembering, I'm, I'm thinking back as we fast forward two months and Sting off the top rope, but only a one count there. Um, the interesting thing in 1990 with this and and I, I i will have to look and see and someone will tell me what what happened here but you know sid is in the main event wrestling sting for the heavyweight title and then two months later we have starcade the biggest or one of the biggest uh pay-per-views of the year for the company and sid is teaming up i believe this is when sid and, and dan spivey were teaming up as the skyscrapers uh reunited as the skyscrapers and wrestled um I believe it was Mr. Hughes and someone else. The Motor City Madman, I think. I, I And again, I'm going off of memory here. But it was like a squash match and a tag team match. And so Sid's not even with the horseman. And I don't remember if he was kicked out or if something happened. Um, but again, Sid wasn't long for the WCW world after this. He, you know, within six months, he's over on the other channel. So... I, I'll I'll look it up and I'll know for sure. But if anyone wants to help refresh my memory of why Sid was kind of, you know, I, I get that not everybody can be in the championship picture and not everybody can be uh, top billing or, and whatnot. And, you know, uh, also on this card, on this 1990 Halloween Havoc card, we saw Lex Luger lose the United States championship to Stan Hansen. 
uh, in a bull rope or with a bull rope, the help of a bull rope from Stan Hansen, which leads us to Starcade and a bull rope match, return match between the two. Um, but here we've got again Sting, that fighting champion, trying to defend and hold on to his gold, fighting back to Sid after being pummeled for the last several minutes here. Now Sting is back up on his feet and takes Sid down to the mat. But will it be enough? Will it be enough to beat the big man? And again, Sid is 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 not like anyone Sting at this point had faced. You know, he's wrestling guys like, um, you know, in 1990, he's wrestling guys like Ric Flair, like Arn Anderson, like Lex Luger, the great Muda. You know, those are his his previous opponents, Terry Funk. Sid is a, a is a monster. And the big man, now they're out on the ramp. And I like the old ramp that led, this was the setup at Halloween Havoc 1991 as well. And I don't know if they were in Chicago for that event. I didn't pay attention last week when we recorded this, but I like the big ramp that goes from uh, from the stage to the ring. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why. I know, I know that some managers have complained about that concept though. And I know other WWF arenas did the same thing where, the ramp came up and you couldn't uh, run all the way around the ring as a manager. Sting now charging back in and jumps over the top rope and dives into Sid from across the ring. A pretty impressive move by the Stinger here and a drop kick. And Sting is revitalized here as Sid now is dumped outside and Sting jumps over and lands right on top of Sid as well. Not a whole lot of room out there between the guardrail and the ring. And now these two are fighting uh, on the floor. And it looks like, is that Rick Flair? Okay, Rick Flair and Anderson are now out here as well. Referee uh, is distracted. Sting and Sid have gone to the back. And the referee, Nick Patrick, and we all remember this is, is playing into the finish here, uh, is being distracted by the horseman. So we don't have a count out going on. So that's, I'm sure, why Flair and Anderson are out here. Um. Okay, here comes Sting and Sid back into the ring, and Sting is a hot on pursuit. You see the back of Sting here, goes for a clothesline, goes for a body slam, and oh, he can't hold the big man up, and Sid goes for the cover too, and that is it. Sid has just pinned Sting, and Sting immediately rolls out of the ring. We have a new heavyweight champion, folks. Sid Vicious has won the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Amazing. Referee Nick Patrick raises Sid's hand. Sid raises the belt over his head in victory here as the camera pulls out and fireworks are going off. It is a celebration. There is a new heavyweight champion and Sting. Wait, here comes Sting and he's got a rope tied around his wrist. Wait a second here. Wait a second. Sid, balloons are falling from the sky. Sid goes to swing at Sting with the belt and misses and Sting picks the belt up and hits Sid with it. Runs across in a stinger splash. A small package. And now, wait a second, the referee counting again. And I don't have the audio on, so I don't know what they're saying on commentary. But Sting, I have not seen. We know what happens here. If you, if you don't know what happens here, there are two stings that are involved in the finish of this match. But I have not seen the second sting back up on camera here. So... I'm, a, I'm assuming they're talking about that on commentary because if you were just watching this without the audio, you would be confused right now. But let's see. 
and, and, I, and I'm not playing the audio because I don't know how WWE Network or Peacock is with protecting uh, that. But we see here, okay, here, here's the replay. Okay, the replay shows the second, the real sting coming out as the second sting is going backstage. And it is later revealed that that's now he's taken off running away, but he's dressed the exact same way as the heavyweight champion sting. And apparently somewhere along the way, referee Nick Patrick saw that uh, Paulie dangerously and, and Jr. Paulie is going nuts. I should say Jim Ross. He wasn't Jr. at this point yet, but uh, Jim Ross taking us off the air, sending us away as, as Paulie is, is not happy about it, but uh, it ends up being revealed that it's Barry Windham who came out as the imposter sting. And like, if you look in their role in the credits now, but if you had looked and they showed pictures later, they really never showed a close up of Barry Windham's face here. But if you look at pictures, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. It is hard, uh, especially as tall as Barry Windham was, but they did it pretty quick. And I think if you were watching this as a fan back in the day and, and not knowing for sure, I could see where people would buy into that and believe that Sid had won because they did a great job of not showing Barry's face. Uh, his, his back was to the camera when he went into the ring. He goes to pick up Sid and falls back with him. So they did a good job of covering that up. But obviously, uh, and then he rolls out of the ring immediately and starts running back. And then that's when the other camera, and I think the other camera probably should have picked that up instead of Sid celebrating. And maybe that was a bit of a snafu on, on the production side's uh, part, but who knows? But uh, it's a fun little nostalgia pop. It's a, it's a, a way to make it look like the championship had changed hands, but no, it has not changed hands. Now, I would have thought this would have led to a feud with Barry Windham, maybe perhaps, to again continue to build up the momentum for Sting and establish him as uh, a dominant heavyweight champion. But instead, we we go with the uh, the Black Scorpion which to me was, you know, not great in hindsight, but again, it's that fun, nostalgia stuff. I don't know that we always need that, but uh, sometimes that is what we get. So what were your thoughts? What did you think of this championship match? And this is not the first time, or this was the first time, I believe it was the first time, but it's not the last time that Sting gets impersonated. Jeff Jarrett would do it at one point. Um, and then we saw it, of course, with the NWO Sting, uh, Jeff Farmer, who, uh, kind of was the antithesis for the whole Crow character to be that isolated character because uh, Sting, the real Sting, felt like no one believed him in WCW when he was trying to do something honorable and respectable um, and stand up for the company. So uh, we saw it several times. I always liked it though, when they had uh, the Sting, the white masks uh, that they sold and then he flipped it up and it was the real sting underneath. That was a clip from way back when as well. So, well, friends, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I do want to remind you pro wrestling tees.com slash my one, two, three cents has my one, two, three cents merchandise uh, t-shirts specifically. Um, if you want to be vintage and get a stride shirt, I suppose you could do that as well. You could check out thighhuggers.com and use the promo code my one, two, three cents. There are, I know we're talking Halloween, but there are a lot of new, brand new Christmas designs, some really neat ones too. I may end up picking up another pair of those myself, but they're great for working out or for swimming, um, exercising, running, uh, or even jumping in the ring and doing some wrestling. So be sure to check out thighhuggers.com. Use the promo code my123cents uh, to get a bit of a discount when you uh, 
place your order. And then of course, uh, I wanna remind you all again of the My One Two Three Cents action figure drive drop off at uh, Castle Perilous in Carbondale, Illinois, or you can contact me directly as the dogs are starting in. They're watching the football game with Taylor Swift. So uh, that is going to do it though for this week. And uh, again, I appreciate everybody checking out the podcast and we, uh, I hope that you all have a great week and we will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.